Well, hello. It's time for another Drew Drogi's Minor Revelations. Hi, I'm Drew Drogi. <laughs> Wouldn't it be weird if I weren't? Um, welcome back. Thank you so much for hanging in there. I know it's been a long time since I've done a show. Um, I've had so many lovely people come up to me and tell me that they listen to the show, and which is so nice. And um, I, I love that. Um, I'm sorry I've been gone. I was in New York for three weeks and it was the holidays and then Palm Springs. You guys, it's just been a whole thing. Um but we are back. I'm really excited for 2017. I actually am. I'm very excited for this year. I think it's a, going to be a year of creative explosion. I think it's going to be a loud, um, uh, um, beautifully angry year. I think a lot of people are going to be, um, you know, just 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 blowing up with what's inside, and I think that's really important. And I'm I'm hopeful, and um and uh, anyway, so I'm just excited to keep doing this doing this show. Um, one thing I just wanted to start off. This is kind of weird, but whatever. I wanted to share something that I did in New York that I just highly recommend. Um, if you're like me and you like finding things that are like so bad that they're good, um, that gets harder and harder to do. You know, growing up, I was like, oh, this is a terrible horror movie. Let's watch it. And I loved it. I laughed so hard. I mean, Sleepaway Camp, Sleepaway Camp 2, uh, Unhappy Campers, Sleepaway Camp 3, Teenage Wasteland. Yes, I know those. Uh, those are great. So bad. They're fun movies. There's a lot of things that are like, you know, um, I love Everything's Terrible on, online. I th- they, they find some real, as Sam Pancake would call them, some real stink blossoms. And um, Dave Holmes and I every year ho- host Bad Movie Night at Outfest, and we find a terrible LGBT film um, that we dig up out of God knows where. Usually Dave has this genius collection of t- trash that I love. So I love it. I love finding things that are like, oh my God, this is so bad. It's wonderful. But that's very hard because some things are just bad that they're bad. I mean, John Waters talks about good, bad taste and bad, bad taste. And and he, above everybody, has to know this because everything gets called. It's sort of like a John Waters movie and nothing is like a John Waters movie unless John Waters' name is on it. Um, but there are, there are so many things that I um, that, that people want to share with me and I'm like, oh, it kind of is or it's too aware that it's bad and it's trying to be bad, which is always just a horrible thing when you're like, oh, it, it's, it's, it's winking at me. Oh, it thinks it's smarter than me. I don't like this. Um, but all my life I have wanted as, as long as I have known about New York City, which has been all my life. Um, there has been this show running in New York in Times Square since 1987. Um, and if you know what I'm talking about, you already know that it's called Perfect Crime and Yes, it has been running in 1987 with the same lead actress from the beginning. She's in the, her name is Catherine Russell, of course. She's been running this show. I think she's done over 12,000 performances where she plays this psychiatrist named Margaret. Margaret Brent, I think it's her name. Margaret Brent. Um, she's been doing this for so long. I mean, beyond. There's no way anyone for the rest of time will ever be able to top this this record 30 years she's missed four performances apparently for family weddings and you know those family members have never heard the end of it because Catherine Russell's got a show um, never taken a sick day what a feat so I've always wanted to go see this this show and it's like 
You know, whenever I've been in New York, I'm either I've been, you know, working or I'm I'm busy with friends or I'm or or I'm going to see like, you know, a show that I'm like, this is important. I have to go see this new hot, fun, great, horrible, whatever show. So I have never made the time. Well, then this year I was there for three weeks. Um, I was I was doing my solo show. I did get to see a bunch of a bunch of great stuff in between here and there. And um, but I was like, oh, my God, I, I I didn't. I had Christmas Day plans, but Christmas Eve, I had a show that afternoon. But I was like, I don't have anything tonight, Christmas Eve night. So my friend Pete Zayas, who's also been on this show before, um, was in town and he was like, what do you what do you want to do? Can you want to you want to get together for, you know, Christmas Eve? And I was like, Perfect. Do you want to go see Perfect Crime? So we went, and I am so glad I went. And I'm telling you, um, all the negative things I'm going to say about it, I'm I'm highly recommending it at the same time. It is a, I mean, it is a maelstrom of mistakes. It okay. So it the the set is like a um sort of like mousetrap, like very dusty murder mystery, um you know sitting room of a wealthy psychiatrist. Her name's Margaret Brent. Um and um anyway, so I, I, it is the most convoluted plot. It, it, there's a there's a painting that's over the fireplace that's made out of bricks that's like I I was on the front row and I couldn't understand what the painting was but it was like some like kind of vaguely offensive like migrant workers but it was all made in bricks and it, it's just so garish and of course it's a big plot point um, there's a plate of miniature coffee cakes that um, everyone eats coffee cake in the plate because that's the thing that people do I guess in 87 that was the thing there's so many phone calls uh, we forget that in 1987 we were always on the phone and so much information is on the other end of the phone call so you're having to wait for the actor to go what the FBI is coming what they think so apparently she's a, she's accused of killing her husband and you don't know if she did it or not however the play opens with a scene where there is a man who is identified as her husband talking on the phone while a woman runs down her entrance is she runs down the stairs in a red plastic halloween hideaway wig and shoots him so many times so much loud gunfire Catherine Russell has shot that gun over 12,000 times, times 30, you know, and she's shooting this man and he does the terrible stage thing of, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no. And he's twirling around. The gunshots are are spinning him off stage right, because when you know, when you get shot, it's like, oh, that's how it happens. And so the whole time you're like trying to figure out, like, did this woman kill him or not? But you just watched the only woman in the play kill the man who's identified as the husband. The plot is impossible to figure out. And and, and it's not what you think it is, but you also don't care what it is. Um, there's the her performance is such a special kind of. Uh, I mean, it's you have to see it. You, you guys have got to go see it because she seems so tired and also so manic to get the play done because she's done it so many times she has no idea what she's saying anymore I promise you she spends most of the play with her eyes closed screaming her lines she's also um, in amazing shape obviously this woman's in great shape but you know a 60 year old woman playing a 30 year old so she still has the vocal quality of a 30 year old 
she hasn't matured or figured that out at all. And the character is supposed to be, I don't know. Um, she talks a lot about college. Um, and she has this very sexy uh, uh, interlude with the rep- with, with the investigator because, of course, you know the whole thing is like trying to be CSI, trying to be Basic Instinct. Um, it feels a lot more like um, you know I don't know like a like a high school like the murder room if you know that very <laughs> we did that play in high school no one knows gonna know what I'm talking about um, but it is fascinating also sold out. Hacked. you got to get a ticket early for Perfect Crime because, you know, this woman, it doesn't matter. It has the worst reviews. If you go on and read reviews, you're like, this looks, it, it, it's, it's, but it's so specifically terrible. I highly recommend Perfect Crime. Oh, New York, thank you for Perfect Crime. Hi, guys. Hi. Hey. How's it going? It's going all right. Awesome. I'm sitting here with the wonderful and golden Matt Dwyer and, <laughs> and Baron Vaughn. <laughs> yeah, which one of guys? us is wonderful and which one of oh, us is golden? Oh, you can find out. We're going to find out through the course of the show. <laughs> okay, good. I, I have a little card. I have two cards that say wonderful and golden, and I'll oh, hand them out. I want to be really golden. Magic. Oh, yeah. I live by the uh, uh, Outsiders mural in, uh, in Sherman Oaks. Oh, my God. Um, Pony Boy and uh, Nature's First Green is Gold. Right? Stay gold pony boy. <laughs> Stay, Stay gold, gold pony, pony boy. boy. Right, 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 right. And then there's that poem, which which is nature's first grand thing. I don't I was, know. I don't is know. gold. I think it's like Robert Frost or one of those hacks. <laughs> I don't know. Ugh, I remember I loved that movie so much as a kid. I like grew up. I mean, I was like, have you seen that movie, Baron? No. The Outsiders? It's like C. Thomas Howell and Ralph Macchio. And Ralph Macchio like dies and Dave, Tom Cruise. Patrick Swayze. Oh, Patrick yeah. Swayze. It's an all-star. Diane Lane. It's like everybody's in it from like 82, 83. And I like loved it so much, and um, and I loved the book, but you know, and I remember, and then I remember in college, like one night, we were like, okay, let's just revisit a movie from our childhood, and we put on The Outsiders, and it's unwatchable. Oh, really? It's so bad, and it's Coppola directed it, but you know, you're just like, wow, he oh, did like kids. three S. E. Hennington. He did, he did, because he did Rumblefish, and, and he did Tex? maybe he did Tex. It met with Matt Dillon, I think. Uh huh. Yeah, it was definitely a movie. I don't know if it was. Yeah, yeah. It's so it's so late weird. Coppola. It's uh, it was what? a weird phase for Coppola. It, yeah, because Rumblefish, yeah. I want I revisited. Rumblefish, I think it's good because it's like an all black and white, and it's like super moody and the cinematography is yeah. And these are these and are the post Godfather movies. Yeah, yeah. Because I actually like, yes. haven't seen much of his. The only thing I can think of that I saw in his later career is Life with Zoe. Do you know that movie? No. Yeah, it's on it's New about, York stories. Yeah, it's a bunch of vignettes. Okay, no, I don't know that. That's the only, and I was not. I remember being like, "This is horrible." Life with <laughs> Zoe is in the. the uh, New York Story singer. It's Woody Allen, Scorsese, and was Coppola. It? Yeah. Okay. Coppola's is okay. a... Okay. Coppola's I called like a, it's an after school special with Chanel. Yeah. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> Chanel, the, the, the designer. The clothes. Okay, great. Okay. It's there's just one... like a rich kid in New York. Yeah, like... and there's one joke in it that I remember forever. What's the difference between a flautist and a flutist? $50 more per hour. Oh. Because she's walking down the street and there's a guy playing the flute and then he tells her that joke. And I was like, why am I watching this? And it's why? done. Uh, it's what's his name? <laughs> Who, uh, I love that you've held on to that though for yeah, so long. That's all I remember. <laughs> yeah. That's what you open with on your set, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah, always I always do yeah. street jokes. Because <laughs> every street From joke Coppola movies. had a writer. Yeah. Right? Until the street took it. Uh. The street stole it. It's true. Um, 
you wonder like if that whoever wrote that like heard that or if they were just I don't know they were just bored at the computer like let's write this in I don't know I um I I don't know Coppola that well either for I mean I know obviously the Godfather movies are amazing and Apocalypse then Apocalypse Now Apocalypse, Apocalypse now. now is of course is is a masterpiece The Conversation have you seen the Conversation I've never seen the Conversation Whoa. and I need to because I I've seen it I've seen it a few times it's great not it's to, great okay. not to brag and that's with uh, what's his name who was married to Meryl Streep right? Hackman um, Gene oh, Hackman but, but yeah, also and, uh, the guy John Cazale John Cazale who, who did yes. he was also in Godfather he played yes. Fredo and and Deer, Deer Hunter and Dog yes. Day Afternoon yes and then he died like he yes was, he died did you see the documentary I don't think he was married to Meryl Streep but they were like together for the the A documentary on gazelle no oh it's incredible yeah, I, oh, wow. I need to because he was he's such an interesting, interesting guy yeah yeah he was such what's a great... uh, what's it called uh fuck <laughs> that's a weird name for a documentary <laughs> which is what everybody thought when he died because he was like he was on the verge he, he was, was in, yeah. he was only in like four or five movies and they all were major and he, they were great in every and single one great in all of them i think yeah. all of them were nominated for best picture wow mm. uh, yeah because it's like dog day afternoon Godfather. Mm-hmm. Did you see that Marlon Brando documentary? I didn't get too far into Listen it. Listen to me, Marlon. I'm a Drew. little. Old. I have not seen that either. You, you, what, what, you, what did I, you think? Oh, just the whole. Uh, uh, was it Last Hangout in Paris thing about? Yeah. Oh, that's that horrible. Is so horrible. Yeah. That's so crazy that that happened. But there but was it, a lot of abusive situations yeah. women were putting in yes, films. Yes, I mean, yes. the Exorcist. She yes. Didn't she like break bones? They threw her around yeah, so much. They, yeah, exactly. It was also in the seventies vibe of like verite. Like it's got to be real. Yeah. And it, slash just like fulfill our disgusting fantasies yeah. with you know. And you had so many things like that 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 happened. Well, and, and it's always under the guise of I'm trying to catch reality on my right, camera. It's like right. well, you're abusing people without their consent. So. Yeah, and you're mentally ill, and you're using this as like. A, to work out all this shit because it's like it's so crazy to think that like oh yeah we're gonna have Brando rape this girl and ruin her life I mean it really did ruin her life yes and you know rarely does it improve anyone's life (laughs) I I guess that was her deal Uh, you know Uh, yeah but it's yeah that's 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 true I have to admit I've never I've never quite gotten the Marlon Brando thing. Like I've, I mean, I, Godfather, sure, but like, that's one of those things. You're like, oh, it's brilliantly written, it's brilliantly made, and I always thought that like, De Niro and everybody else. I mean, it's just like uh, Diane Keaton. They're all, it was just so much more interesting than he just was kind of a. Well, you know, uh, um, I actually was a fan of the Doc. Um, I he sort of invented a new way of acting yes for yes, film for sure and for what sure. he has to say about it in the doc because the whole the whole doc is like I had no idea well nobody knew that he had kept all these videotapes for years just a video I mean an audio journal that he had been recording and then this documentary filmmaker found all the tapes and then put together this doc based on which is just Mar- Marlon Brando talking about his own life telling himself the story of his of himself wow, that's wow. How I mean I love that he searched the house when he died oh. I think he wanted to make a doc and then he found these tapes in an office this is the legend I've heard and he asked the family, do you know what these are? And they're like, no. And he's like, can I listen to them? Yes. And then he listened to them. He's like, this is just him telling himself stuff. This is incredible. Wow. I love how people find, just like find something like that. I know. Like, or like at a garage sale or something. I know. I mean, I'm just like, you would find like empty Trader Joe's bags at my house. Like, there's like <laughs> nothing. I mean, I have nothing like that that I'd be like, I've been Clearly, he documenting. loved Amy's Chili. <laughs> exactly. Drew. Oh, there's burrito. There's frozen burritos. So many burritos. <laughs> so good. Hmm. What do we learn? Mm. What do we know about Drew from these tr- Trader Joe's bags? <laughs> it's true. 
It's true. Um, well, anyway, but I want to hear. Um, I want to hear things from you guys. Who wants to? Who wants to talk first? Yeah, tell Matt, me a story. I, ahead. Oh, <laughs> see, I was I was under the impression it was tell something you've never told before. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Okay. Exactly. I thought, Okay, I think yeah. sharing a personal like Share a thing, personal a revelation, story or like yeah, or anything. I mean, it can be big or small. I mean, I, I leave it open. I just, I just always ask that I don't know what it is before we record, so that that makes it more fun for me. And then um, we go from there. But it doesn't have to be like a major life, life changing. changing. Yeah, exactly. Or it could be if you want to go. It there. could be, but it's just something you never heard of. I missed. I'm not good at. You know, and really, the reason why, and I've said this a bunch of times, but the, the reason why I started this show was not to like make earth-shattering, you know, you know, um, revelations. It's minor revelations, but it's just so that people aren't bored hearing themselves talk because, like, we all do a lot of podcasts and everybody <laughs> yeah. kind of talks about the same things. Yeah. And I was like, I want to do a show where I bring people on and they just say something that they've never said before, but it doesn't have to be like controversial. It doesn't have to be like. Just um, personal, right? Yeah. I don't like my family. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm having... The I'm one that always, you grew up with. The okay. one I grew up with, not yes. the one I made. I love the one well, I made. I would made. assume yeah. that you, yeah. the one you made is like, you're like, I am not going to have them be like these other people that I know. Yeah. It's very weird because when you make your own kid... Mm -hmm. It ooh my stomach. I yeah, I hope that I got know. picked well, up got, on the mic. Got real deep. <laughs> I hope so. Stomach, too. but it's like it drums that. up all these. Yes, it like I and I, I started understanding. No, continue my, the continue the sentence. I'm sorry. Oh no no. <laughs> it's, it, it, I began to understand my father better though. I didn't, he died when I was 12, and I never really liked him. And he was a very angry individual. Mm -hmm. And uh, where'd you grow up again? I grew up outside Chicago, and then I lived in the city for many years. Mm -hmm. But my father was very angry, and his career didn't work out, and he was frustrated. And then when I had my kid, I hadn't worked. <laughs> I started like I had this skid where I didn't work for like seven months, and wow. I started understanding <clears throat> right. my father's anger, and I was sure. like, "Oh, he wasn't angry at us. He was angry at the world the situation." But we what, were his... what 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 line of work was your dad in? He was uh, when he died. He was working in uh, construction. He drove an asphalt truck and was okay. a laborer. Okay, uh, he had an Mainly opportunity stuff. to be. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he had the opportunity to be a photographer for one of the Chicago newspapers because his father worked for the Tribune. And he oh. turned it down, and I think he regretted that his wow. entire Why? life. Did he think it wasn't manly enough? I think he wanted to. My dad was speaking of Marlon Brando. He dressed like Brando in the uh -huh. Wild One when he was a, when he was a young man. He rode a Harley like year round in Chicago. Wow. Wow. He wore like he had his ear pierced in the fifties. Like he was a real tough guy. He was a a roustabout. Yeah. He was. Yeah, he was sure. actually in the Outlaws, the gang. What he was? Oh well, my he, god! It was, uh, and his his grand or his father, my grandfather, was a, a hitman, and uh, so there's like all this violence within yeah. my family, and I'm the god, least. This is like an Arthur Miller play. Fascinating. <laughs> I've been trying to figure out because I'm like yeah, this the is least... such a the story. This is amazing, and then so he just was. He just felt really. Just like you know, like he deserved, you know, better, better. I, and yeah, and he was he was American pretty dream. angry. And my, I don't know. It's like weird to see you don't like. I do like pockets of my family, but this, I've never, I've never been able to connect with them. Mm -hmm. uh, my oldest brother and some of my nieces and nephews, but it's like this very. I'm sure I'm not alone can in this. I, in no, the world. can I? Mean, I that's uh, why we, you know, a lot of it is why we yeah. all do what we can do. Can I submit um, a uh, an idea on that? Yeah. Um, you're a creative person. I am. I think that might be why. Yeah. Well, <laughs> because, yeah, yeah because you're look, right. Yeah. You, you, to be a creative person means to 
see outside of what everyone is telling you is mm-hmm. true mm-hmm. and what everyone is telling you is right. And sometimes it's just you have an innate sense of it or you're in a situation in which it's been forced on you. People are trying to force you to be something and you go, this isn't me. This isn't what's right. This isn't who I am. Mm -hmm. And then it kind of takes you outside of that. And once you start to disengage from the spell, if you will, wake up from the American dream, Mm -hmm. you realize everybody (laughs) else is asleep. (laughs) Am I right? Yeah, absolutely. Hands in on three. Revolution. Revolution. I was, uh, got the shit kicked out of me a lot as a kid. That helps. And uh, yeah, I think, uh, I, I uh, sort of created. I don't know. I'm trying to have. Were you uh, in like a? I mean, like in a like a rough neighborhood, or was there like? It a wasn't rough. rough. It was a s- s- kind of trashy suburb. Uh, I just there was something about me people like to hit, but it. Wow, that's <laughs> so crazy. But I mean, like, sense your sensitivity a couple times, yeah. and then my brother like beat the like beat the fuck out of me, and then the neighborhood kids beat the fuck out of me, and uh, like I got handcuffed to a railing. <gasps> at a party in junior high and stripped naked and like was left to just sort of be there for everybody's entertainment and you know what that's why I went into showbiz that run you're <laughs> but no, nothing will be worse than that like I, no crowd will ever be worse than this you know <laughs> but as a defense mechanism I, I started I started calculating everything ahead I think like mm-hmm. I would be I would see every scenario and like how it would go south yep. but I think that's part yeah. of the reason I got the fuck out of there because I was like well, just sure. you stick in this cesspool and you're going to end up being one of the pools of cess well, you, and you also <laughs> learn how you, you learn how to be funny really fast because you're yeah. like what do I have what do I have in my corner that, that was, I can use you know because that was definitely mine too I was like oh if I make everybody laugh they won't hit me or hate me yes. you know and I won't be uh, you know my other my other secret weapon because I grew up in the South was that I made people think I was possessed by the devil and that actually and I actually worked. How um, old were you when you did that? Oh, that was like junior high when I was like <laughs> sort of and I would just act like I had this like demon inside me and they believed it, um, or they would stay away from me because people I made people think I was just crazy. Right. Because I was like, if people are, if they really think you're crazy, you're not just like you're unpredictable. Exactly, and that they can't really yeah, and they're they're truly scared. And I just saw how scared everybody was of the devil, and I was like. Oh, this is easy. Come on, but it's it is re- it's so fascinating that you know um, that you you know yeah like you I, I totally agree with Baron like when you're a creative person you do you know you there are different ways of dealing with it I mean some people get really quiet and tr- introspective and hang out in their room and write a lot and that other people like do a lot of drugs and you know and numb the pain or whatever but like everyone you know hey, you I react in some yeah there you go there you go <laughs> I didn't and I had no uh, I didn't expect to say that when I start this my conversation off that way saying that thing about my family but I I, I just love felt, that I love you're like I don't really know what to say okay I hate my family I'm like well, that's <laughs> huge it's something I've been I love it struggling with because uh there's born again Christian Trump voters in my family, uh-huh, and I sure, just like same in mine. Got into it with my aunt after the election. I'm like, you're not welcome in my life. Like, mm-hmm. I have a, a gay nephew. Half my family is Mexican, and I have a, a nephew that's half Asian and Mexican. And I'm like, you voted against your family. Like, fuck yes, you and saying yes. it's the economy. You took a shot at your own family. Mm-hmm. So fuck off. You're not welcome. Right. Mm, ooh, right. There was anger in there. Well, you know, <laughs> well, but, but it's... it's also like a thing where you're like, you don't get to have it both ways. Like, you you know, if you if you voted against like h- human rights, basically, then you don't get these humans in your life. Like, I mean, I understand yeah. that completely. And I have some friends. I mean, I have a friend, Jackie Beat, who's done the show before and who's a uh, big drag queen. And she was saying at the top of her show, anybody 
voted for Trump, you're not welcome at my show. And then kind of like gets a laugh. She's like, no, I'm serious. Like, if you voted for him, you don't get to laugh at this clown, at this, at this, at, at this, you know, because that's the thing when they go, well, we're going to go laugh. This is entertaining to us that we're going to, you know, vote against your survival. And that's, you know, I get it. I yeah. totally get it. I feel yeah. like if you're not actively in my life and enriching it and adding to my life and you're causing that kind of problem. Yeah. Fuck off. I don't right. need you. And do you think also having a kid it, it, like it adds to that feeling as well? Because you're like, this is what's important. Uh, this oh. is what, you know, I have to focus on my family and I don't have to be nice to everybody. And Yeah. I know. mean, I have a daughter. So the the sexist bullshit that goes along with Donald Trump. Sure. Just, I mean, I used to hold my daughter with pure joy. And now there's this this holding her and also just. There's fear now. Sure. Right. And not that the, the world is a safe place to begin with, but now it's really not a safe place. Mm -hmm. Right, right. And I it's I view everything totally different mm -hmm. and it's it's mm -hmm. terrifies me. Mm -hmm. How old is your daughter? She just turned one a couple months ago. Oh, that's awesome. Goodness. Yeah. Well, you know, I it's um I had um I'm not a parent, um, but obviously I've thought about doing that and I have many, many friends that are parents that are from different styles of parenting and their kids are and this woman who's a friend of mine I met her uh, when I met her her children were about 14 and 16 and uh, no actually they were 12 and 14 and I remember thinking how are these kids so well socialized that they just seem like to have this sense of themselves that I didn't I didn't have when I was mm -hmm. their age and I remember asking her about her parenting style and she was talking about she said, I always tell my children the truth. She's like, it might not be the whole truth because they're two, <laughs> you know, but I give them a version of it that I think they can handle, but I never lie. And then when they come back to me about that at six, I can layer it in with new, with new information that I know they can wow. handle. Then they come back at 10 and then I can layer more new information. So I'm always building on this, on the ground of truth. It's just I leave things out until they come back and they're like, wait a minute, you didn't explain this. And she said this thing about imposing oneself on her, her children, which I thought was really interesting because she said like a lot of parents will go out to the beach with the kid. Right. And she's like, like your your son will go in the water. And one parent might be like, don't go in the water. It's cold. Mm -hmm. But what you've done right there is you've robbed your child of their own experience. Mm, you've yeah. told them what you think of the water. She's like, so I'd see my son go in the water and he'd come back and I'd be like, oh, I thought the water was cold. What do you think? And then suddenly he has to report to me That's great. his own feelings. And That's then he's amazing. always got this authorship, you know, and this authority, this agency to say what he needs to say and knows that I love him no matter yeah. what he has to say. Yeah. So when he disagrees with me, he can speak it. Or when I disagree with him, I can speak it. That's what we're, I mean, it's, she's a year old, but we're trying to cultivate well, that. Yeah. My wife is, <laughs> no, I mean, not that, but I mean, my wife is very much a skeptical thinker. She's very into science and she's mm -hmm. like, we're trying to instill even at uh, this young age influence that sort of thing of like think for yourself and we're like you know we want to do santa claus but i'm like Arr. well yeah. but we're gonna do it and then if she figures it out we're then we're gonna use that as a tool to teach about how there's no god right <laughs> <laughs> i guess i guess i'm trying to get at is that like your father had this anger mm -hmm. which was a response to the situation that he was in and your response to the situation that you're in is more of a fearful response Right. Oh, yeah. So it's like 
you witnessed your father have that anger and it turned you off from him. Not that your fear will turn your daughter off, but you at least have an awareness of what's going on. Yeah. As to what your father that's, that's just a it was coming big out part of it yeah. too. Because that was that's the thing that like, you know, we all and it's like we all try to we see how we were raised and we see and I see with my, my brother has two kids and I see how he's raising them as a complete uh, you know, reflection of how we were raised. I mean, in terms of like this is, you know, we were told, don't do this, don't do that, don't mm-hmm. ask why. It was a lot yes. of like, these are the rules, and the more you challenge the rules, exactly, and the more you question authority, the more things we're going to take away from you. So we're teaching you, don't challenge, don't make any sort of, you know, just mm. go with what we tell you to do and be sweet. And even to this day, you know, my mom decides to, you know, um, tell my brother and me, to just be safe, to not say anything that's going to piss anybody off, um, to just like, you know, not everybody needs to hear your opinion all the time, you know, because she has, she operates in fear and she's, she's still, you know, when I go home, you know, I'll be 40 years old in a few weeks, but it doesn't matter. I'm, the, you know, her son and it's like, she's terrified of anything bad happening to me when I'm, when I'm home and, but yeah, it doesn't allow you to have any sort of like, personality or or say in it and we were was we, we were going and my brother was so rebellious and outspoken and he got into it with my dad so much because he was just like why 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 and my whole vibe was you guys are all crazy I'll be in my room <laughs> I was like I have a book to read I'll be upstairs you know and I'm you know and I'm you know being like I'm getting out of here real soon um and my brother's was I need to argue about everything right because, right you know and so I see with his kids he's very much like what you're talking about, how he's just like, he really wants his kids to have an opinion and to, and it does create a lot of, you know, um, you know, maybe, because I mean, when I go see them, I really love these kids so much, but sometimes I'm like, just tell them no. You know, smack them. And sit I'm like, I don't have kids, but I don't know. I mean, sometimes you just are like, I don't know what the right answer is because you know. But I, but it is really interesting, and I think the key, and in, in terms of the evolution, is the awareness. Is like, okay, we're aware. No one's perfect. I'm operating from this place. We're all emotional, and we're doing the best we can. I mean, yeah. The greatest thing about when you do get older, and you can look back at your parents and go. They were really doing the best they can. You know, you think as a kid, like, they are God. They are everything. How could they let me down? Or how could they do this? To, you know, and you, get, and you get older and you're like, oh, my God, they just had to make a decision or, or whatever. And Yeah, they're people. They're people, you know. And then so you're like, but, but they didn't really, there was no self-reflection. There was mm-hmm. no sense of, the reason I did this is because I'm this kind of a person. I mean, also. And there was no the, value even, of even thinking about things oh, in that way. Oh, God, no. If anything, it was like, we don't, don't challenge that. Don't question that. You know, for me, it was like, I was always, the, you know, overdramatic. And it was like, we don't need to, we don't need to sit down and, you know going to therapy was like you were chewing leaves off a fence somewhere. Like if you had to go to therapy, you were crazy, you know, and uh, you would never talk about your feelings. It was just sort of like, no, uh, you are, you, you say what's going to make everybody else comfortable around you and what's going to make people happy. And what's a polite thing to say, you know, manners. I'm thrilled that I was taught manners, but uh, there's other times that I'm like, no, let's not have manners about this. Let's actually, <laughs> this is actually fucked up and come on, you know, like, um, um, you know, and it it's 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 our families are they're complex. They are. They yeah. are. And it is really hard. And it is really hard to, you know, in the world that we're in now. And I mean, I have family who, you know, um, are not overtly 
um, sexist, racist, homophobic people, but voted for Trump and think that he's going to be wonderful for the country. And there's no telling them, you know, anything else. I don't get what people and think is going to be so. Wonderful. I don't either. I don't. Either. It's reactionary. And it's and it's yes. and it's and it's also fear. It's also like the idea that like, you know, um, uh, I don't know why. I mean, just this whole thing with, you know, the economy. It's like the economy's never been better. But it's <laughs> it's. And it's true of in the history of the world that when there's um, a disconnect between fact and what people think is happening and they want someone to blame for why they don't have what they Mm -hmm. have, Mm -hmm. someone shows up who says, you know whose fault it is? This group of people over here, you know, once upon a time, it was Jews. Once upon a time, it was Hungarians. You know, then it was now it's Mexicans and and Muslims. Right. So it's like that's that is what a demagogue is. And Mm -hmm. now we have one as a president. (laughs) Anyway, happy day. Yeah. Oh, anyway. Hard not to be in fear in this time. And look, but it is really hard not to be. And it's like, I think that, like, you know, the thing is, you know, because, you know, to me, like I'm with him, I'm just scared of his unpredictability yes. i'm like i can deal with evil i can deal we we've 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 seen the face of you know we've had reagan who was horrible, horrible. who was yeah. the worst we had nixon who was disgusting we've had you know George George Truman. Think, do you think he'll George go George down Bush. do you think mm-hmm. he's gonna get kicked out of office i do i think I, very quickly who I trump 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 yes well i mean mike pence is not Peas and carrots. He is not, but he's, he's a scary but, guy. But he is more in the vibe. Like I someone a, we, he's an evil we we can deal with. He's an evil that we know. Trump is unpredictable, you know, because he's well. He first of all, he's he's such a dandy, and he doesn't believe anything he says, which is no, so terrible. He just has to win in the moment, and he has to, you know. And I'm like, oh, he's going to start nuclear war, or he's going to start this major shit with somebody because he loves the drama, and he, you know. So we get rid of that person. I think I think they're going to. I think I what's going to happen is the Republicans are going to get rid of him, and they're, they're going to. That's what I think. They're going to come in and say, "We did it. Hillary couldn't do it. The Democrats couldn't do it. We saved the day. So you're welcome, everybody. Here we here's your hero." Um, which is like, okay, fine. Then we'll fight but that even, battle. But even I, if they do that, there's still a lot of people who voted for this guy. Who believe in yes. this guy? Well, who believe every time he I says it's the, rigged against me? If they get him out of there, there's going to be this insanely crazy. It's going to blow up like crazy because I I think we have three groups of people now. We have we have us, <laughs> the three of us, literally just, just us. The, three. the three of us, <laughs> the three of us, and, and we're never room. leaving the studio. Lock, lock the door. It's, I got you call it food. sound booth. We call uh, it bunker. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then we have the the Republicans, and then the Trumpets. Like the, the Trump people aren't behind the Republicans, and the mm. Republicans aren't behind the Trump people. So when this happens, these Trump supporters are going to lose their minds, and they're going to. So that's what the Republicans don't realize I've, is that oh. they are. It, it's going to blow up in their them. face. Yes. I think. I think that's true. I think the core of Trump supporters who are those crazies I think is relatively small I do think there is a big pocket of them people who voted because yes the, the that's poor not my family have, my, my family yeah. is not crazy like that they but just, a lot of rich people did I mean like I know poor, it's that whole Beverly Hills poor thing the city of Beverly Hills if you look at the numbers really? they voted overwhelmingly for Trump wow. wow I have a different theory about Pence though if because I kind of feel like the Republicans they hired that intelligent agent to mm-hmm. find the dirt yes. about him. Yes, so I think they knew he, no one else could be Clinton but maybe Trump. So, And I'm at the beginning conspiracy theory here, but I think 
if I think we live in it, we're living in a it conspiracy is, theory. Isn't, <laughs> isn't sure. it weird? Like you yeah, live United in States conspiracy we're in the theory. Cards right now, like we're in the middle of it. But yeah. I feel like Pence. They know Pence won't be able to get reelected. So I think if Trump goes down, it seems like they're already priming Ryan. Like yes, why did Ryan do yeah, a town hall? They're priming. The other thing too is if Trump goes down, um, someone explained to me yesterday that Pence will go down with him because Trump. That's who Trump selected yeah. so it doesn't automatically go to the vice that's president true. it will that's go true. to the speaker of the house and it will be Paul, Paul Ryan that's right because the, the speaker is third, third in line it feels like it's headed there even and if Pence like, stays in I think Pence will be like I'm going to stay VP and because they, they want Ryan because he's re-electable yes absolutely he's you know he's the face of the Republican party that it's is the a one handsome that they one isn't it no really <laughs> oh, gorgeous he's got two first names <laughs> oh I like that <laughs> <laughs> just like child stars and porn stars he looks like <laughs> uh, he looks like a cartoon. Like, it looks like a caricature of yeah. somebody, actually. It like, if you yeah. drew a caricature of yeah. a politician. Except for them fucking guns I, he's got. I don't know yeah. that he has eyeballs. He has this gorgeous face, and there's these hollow black enclaves in his eyes that are. It's very. Um, it's what um, happens when you have no soul. What's that movie with um, Pan's Labyrinth? That's what he sort of looks like. That guy oh, with the, with the eyes and the hands. Yeah, he has the eyes and the at hands. At the feast? Yes, exactly. Yeah. It's like, mix that Great with nightmarish like, you image. Know, some, uh, you know, with Superman. That's Paul Ryan. Do you think, though, that this... Uh, I kind of think this could F the Republican Party. I oh, hope so. Yeah. Because it's like everyone's talking about how the Democrats are licking their wounds and trying to rebuild. And that's true. But they're both actually, but it's but like this in is, disarray. But I do think and I really hope and I'm optimistic about this. But the Democrat, the thing that Democrats always get wrong is anger. Like we don't get angry enough. We, I we, agree. we roll over and we go, oh, well, we're going to be big, bigger people well, because we see it as stooping to the level. Absolutely. If we get and angry, then we're doing you know it what? like and we're no fighting like was, they are. No one was happy when Michelle Obama said, you know, when they go low, we go high. I was like, yes, that's amazing. But now you're like fuck no we gotta we gotta get angry like and get in the, there during the debates because i felt like it looked like trump was walking all over and people were like uh, and hillary's like well, go high and i'm like no no you gotta, you gotta shut and this, this is fucking the reason why we you know i mean it's like we need to admit we were arrogant and we were like you know we we were like this is never gonna happen but it did and so now it's like okay now we need to organize and get angry and all this shit republicans have been trying to do they haven't gotten so far because because people are getting like active and and they're and they're they're talking and they're that's screaming my, and, and that's what I hope is going to be happening. Yeah. That's my other fear is that if Trump goes down, people are going to be like, okay, we can relax, and then no. like, no. then they're going to no, get really fucking no, sneaky. Get, exactly. But that's the thing because all this all this brings up the I all this this brings up the themes of what the hell is the point of a government? What the hell is the point of a political party? Because if we have to fight dirty to get votes, then it just becomes about consolidating power and being in power. And that's mm -hmm. not the same as mm -hmm. being representative of the desires of the population, of being able to right. do things for the people of this country and make it so that way people can prosper. That's totally different than just getting votes. Yeah, because right. the Republicans aren't representing the people, even the ones that voted for... It's like they're just... They're, they're literally just, misrepresenting It's a people. corporate fuck party. Oh, mm -hmm. yeah, exactly. Completely. Completely, but that's uh, a whole. <laughs> Obviously, we we can just talk about this forever. I know. I like, love it. We we're never, in a room talking. You. I know exactly. Like we're right, but it's, I it's, I love I love talking about this. Well, it you know, fascinating, and I think it's good. Yeah. I mean, for years, people always complain about Americans that you would go to Europe and like the the kids, the teenagers would talk politics, and they were really involved involved in what was going on, and we had no idea like what was going on. We we're like, I know who the president is, maybe, you know, and now <laughs> it's like. Is that who it is? <laughs> and now we are, you know, sadly in this horrible 
terrifying place, but we're talking about it and I, we're getting, you know, and I think it's good. And I think it's, you know, how dare you tell anyone with a voice not to be political right now? How, it, you know, we all need to be like in the middle of this because we are. It's our yeah. lives. And you're right. It's like w- these people who are actively going against, you know, laws and things that were set up to help people live their lives. If you're going against that, to what end is that about other than power? You know, how are you a government? How are you like, you know, you know, that's the thing that makes me crazy. It's like when something's already been set, like, you know, Roe versus Wade and marriage equality, you're going to go and, 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 um, the, you know, Affordable Health Care Act, like you're going to go again, like we've already were, established yeah. these things. You're going to go against them just to take this away from people. Just and who because, are you taking it away from? I mean, like and how, and a lot you, of people. And I mean, the you, poor. And, I mean, most of this stuff is and just how are you winning? Up. How yeah. are you win- winning? Because God? Because Jesus? Because like, they're flagging. They're, because, they're stoking the fires of not, fear. And, and it's not even that. Yes, exactly. And it's just power. It's using that to get get the power. You know, I yeah. read this uh, really weird article the other day. Uh, not a weird article. It was just an article. But it actually, you're, what you were saying about your dad kind of reminded me of it. It was interesting because it was it was basically an article that um, their their premise is that the unemployment rate is actually not that bad. There are a lot of jobs, but you keep hearing about all these men who are like, I don't have my job. And they're they're saying it's because we have these ideas of manliness, these, these patriarchal mm-hmm. ideas. Mm-hmm. So these men are waiting for jobs that are men's jobs because they're refusing to learn a new skill, right. a new uh, trade yes. to apply that yes. to a job that they see as a quote unquote woman's job. Uh-huh. So they're sitting around waiting for a job that doesn't exist anymore Yes, so yeah. they can feel like they're manly men. It's just kind of like a nursing, that's for women. Call me when jackhammers are involved. Yeah. And that's, that's basically so what's interesting. happening. I think that's so true because it's like, like, you know, there is that there is that that pride that's completely a, a construct. It's like and it set, turns you know, into entitlement, which turns 100%. into scapegoating, which turns and, into, Trump. you know, and you exactly. And when you deal with, you know, um, no offense, Matt, straight white men, because it's yeah, you know, Matt. Get, out, get out, Matt. But I mean, like, <laughs> I don't have the white part, so I can, <laughs> I can shame you. Exactly. That's why I voted and for so, Trump. straight black exactly. man. <laughs> so, yeah, Baron out of each get one thing that just takes us away from it. But it's like, but they don't understand what being other is. And so they they just truly don't even. And it's like, so there's that sense of like, but what about me? I'm, I, that's what the entitlement is. They're being othered for, and they were othered, they were othered for a year. Exactly. And, they're, and they're, the they're just like, wait a minute. I, you know, it's like, you know, the kid that has 10 toys and it's like, you can't play with all 10 of those toys. Give one of them to somebody else. No, but that toy's mine. I, I, you know, mm-hmm. and it's that idea that they don't quite, you know, and, and it's not conscious. It's not the, it's not a thing that like, you know, you know, but but it's interesting when it's it's about what jobs they will take, you mm-hmm. know, as opposed to like how they're defined and how they see themselves, and you know the kind of. But you're right; all these jobs have been replaced with machines. But that's the that's the history of the world. Like, you know, like we, you adjust you know, things happen. You know, exactly. Like, you pivot like an app. So exactly, <laughs> like the reason we have an iPhone is because things changed, you know, or whatever. Like we have these things because, you know, we you know, um. So that's that's really fascinating. Do you? Think 
think it's interesting because I was reading an article about this yesterday, but like it's the, everyone after the election, they're like, well, it's because of the poor white people in the rural and we were we ignored them. It's like and then they made it seem like the cities are this festival of rich. Uh huh. And it's I like know. we've ignored. There's plenty of parts of the city that we've ignored. Oh, and yeah. It's 100%. Like, it's like this, the, the narrative is very biased and strange. Yes. Well, that's what's weird is that like, again, this is cognitive dissonance. There's a there's a gap between what is actually happening mm-hmm. and what people feel is happening mm-hmm. and what people feel is happening has become more important than facts yes so all these people feel as if they're being ignored even though they're not but that's going to make them vote in a certain way well it just it comes down to i just didn't like hillary clinton you know and that's the yeah. mentality of like no matter what you'd say about her we didn't like her she's out you know if you don't like and i just have a feeling it's that same idea. yeah that's my mom she didn't vote one one spent their life <sighs> serving people, people. Right. And the other career politician. Yeah. Because like, that, that's, that's a bad thing. How? Like, how but is also that a bad there, thing? there is this there is an exhaustion because it's like if you think about it for the last 20 years, this country's been deciding between a Bush or a Clinton. 100 percent. So it's and like I have to admit, dynasty. I, was, I, I will say, first of all, I could not wait to run to the polls at 7 a.m. and immediately vote for her. So I 100 percent voted for her and supported. But I really had to get there. I, I I had to I had to really work through it because I had a lot of issues with her and and we all did but that's that's I think part of all of our outrage it's like we were able to get a like this was it was this or what we have now and we we have what we have now <laughs> right you know, we wouldn't be dealing with this with Hillary we would not be I have a lot of problems with things that she's that she said and done and um and the legacy of with her husband and a lot of stuff that was you know and there are plenty of documentaries you want to watch. You're like, oh, the Clintons were basically Republicans that basically right, shifted right. It over. She's and the most they, Republican and, candidate. And, yeah. you know, and so it's all that stuff that you're like, but... Ugh. And I think that's supposed to be the point of who you assign to be on your cabinet is that for what your shortcomings are, you said, you know what? I'm not that good at education, so I'm going to appoint this person, right? This person who's exactly. really good at education. Right. That's why people are all upset about who it is that Donald Trump is choosing because yeah. it's like, he said he's going to do this, but it's all these Wall Street mofos and then the most racist motherfucker in the world, Steve motherfucking Bannon. Oh, the worst. Anyway. I know. Anyway, well, at least so, we're going to get to the bottom of autism. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, Baron, yeah, me? tell me a story. Talk to me. What is something you haven't ever uh i don't know oh um you know something i've been thinking about a lot lately because i'm we were talking about fear um i'm i am have been thinking a lot about because this also goes back to what matt was saying about being being bullied in Mm -hmm. in when he was younger is how long i've been walking around this planet with this constant fear for my own physical safety Wow, that really? I, I walk down the street because of where I grew up. I walk down the and where, street. Where did you grow up? I grew up in Las Vegas, Nevada. Okay. Mm-hmm. Ooh. And so I'm constantly thinking about being robbed. Mm-hmm. I'm constantly thinking about being shot. I'm constantly thinking about being stabbed. And that's just from strangers on the street. And then if it's a police person, then I'm like, well, I'm definitely getting shot. So it's just like I have been walking around with this fear of I'm going to be killed at any moment for so long and it's like I'm starting to see how how much I've just put it into I've just embedded it in all these different ways that I do things. Mm-hmm. I remember hearing this thing about, you know, because women of course um fear for their physical safety sure. and adjust their lives accordingly. 
because of it. Don't park. They they park a certain distance from a place. You know, mm-hmm. there's a certain walk of, from the front door to the car. It's like all these things that they have to think about. And then I remember reading this, something about that. I'm like, I think about things that way. I'm constantly being like, how can I not get stabbed when I'm going to walk into this bar? Not get stabbed in the bar. When I'm walking out of the bar, make sure that I'm walking in a certain way. When I go into a store, I'm like in a, in a certain position with my hands in a certain way. So that because I know I'm being watched at all moments. So it's like... I and then home wasn't safe as a kid either because there was abuse happening as a child. So it was like I wasn't a, I wasn't safe outside and I wasn't safe inside. Mm. Inside, mm-hmm. and so I'm still adjusting, trying to adjust my mind to let those things go, which is difficult. Gosh, I mean, how do you even begin to start to adjusting to that? Well, or like around that, like I mean, and not well, a life. Lived in fear is not a life. Right. So it's like, I can be afraid, and sure, there's all these great reasons, and there's plenty of justifications, and I can point to all sorts of things that have happened that have made that happen, but I'm st- I'm not going to be good. Like, if I'm just sit- sitting there shaking in fear all the time, that's not, that's not a life. That's not a life mm-hmm. worth living. So it's mm-hmm. like, just letting it go and being like, uh, I have to... That's what the whole point of rights are, is that everyone just wants to be a person who can walk down the damn street... Exactly. Mm-hmm. And, and go to dinner, walk into a store, see their family, and just be okay. And anything that's in your way of being okay, technically is an oppression, is some sort of oppression. When people sure. are judging you mm-hmm. based on literally nothing mm-hmm. that you can't, because you, how you look or how you dress or how whatever. So it's like letting, seeing that that is a, that is a power that has been put on me. I'm not mm-hmm. responsible for what's being put on me. You know, that's the world saying all those things about myself and I've internalized them. Mm-hmm. That's what this fear is. It's me internalizing racism. It's me internalizing abuse and being like, these things are facts, therefore I have to adjust accordingly. They're right. not facts. Right. These things are not real in the sense that, well, oh, they're not true. They're real. I was going to say, but they're not like, true. You have reason. You have every reason yes. to have that fear. Rent is like, real. It yes. isn't true. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. There's, we've been, we've been alive since before there was rent. Yes. But now we have to yes. deal with it. It's real. Right. Sure. Sure. Um, it's, it is, it is, it's so, it is so crazy because it, it, it can take over everything, the fear and just being it can. like, and you know, um, just having to realize like fate is such a big part and like, and, and being like, you know what, my fate is whatever's meant to be is, is meant to like, I try, you know, and think in that way as, and, and some fear is really good and health and yeah. uh, healthy and, and smart. It's like, yeah, like. Because all that, all this stuff that you're talking about happens, you happens. know, and so, so it's like you can't just go. I'm just not going to care. I'm just going to, you know, because like, well, that's just that's the moronic. I mean, like you know, in the world <laughs> right. that we live in now. But you, you know, but I, I, but you're right. It is crippling if you let it have that sort of hold. You yeah, know? and I and um. I mean, I notice. I mean, just right now is, and I'm just telling you guys before we're recording. I'm I have painted fingernails because I'm in the Golden Girls live on stage because I'm doing important art, um, you know, <laughs> with my life. And um, but we do these, you know, we do these like episodes of the Golden Girls, and I and I have, you know, I, so I walk around for like a week with painted fingernails, and I also know that like I, you know, most people can like, you know, if they pay attention, they can, you know, they're like, oh, this guy's gay, probably. Um, but probably not. I mean, it's like I think about like that when I went the other day, you know, to get 
a sandwich and I have these, you know, painted fingernails on, the looks I got and the yeah. weirdness. And I was like, oh, I'm being treated this, you know, and this is real. This is actually happening. Um, but yeah, if I, and if and if I walked into a store every time and I was like, "Hi, I'm a homosexual. I'd like coffee." <laughs> you know what I mean? What that does. But you know, it's different because I can not I can choose not to reveal that. Like, you know, it's like you yeah, know, there's but, a but, thing and and I why would I? And you know, there's right. also that thing. But I I'm just saying I understand there's it's different because I, you know, you know, it is more. Well, it's not a. Um, isn't that what in the closet is? Yes, is someone is. choosing not to reveal a exactly. truth about themselves? It's true, and it's like it's not just like oh, I've told my friends and family that I'm gay. It's like in the world, you know. Um, a lot of times, it's just it's a it's not interesting to me to tell everybody, you know, or, or like yeah. present or whatever. It's like I, yeah, you don't deserve, I, who cares? Like you know, it's like we'll move on, you know. Well, it's not a big deal. But, it's it's only a big deal when it's a big deal to someone who wants to hurt you. Exactly, exactly <laughs> because of it. Right, but. You know, I mean, I, uh, it's like I can, I have a choice whether I want to reveal that or mm-hmm, not. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, I understand for you, you don't in a way that if somebody is going to yeah. go, you know. I used uh, to have a, a joke where I said I came out to my, my parents as black <laughs> <laughs> to address that exact sort of right, thing. Exactly. They're like, what? Like, you've been listening to nothing but Kenny Loggins. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that's the, that's the other thing that's like, you know, um, that is, uh, you know, um, and, and there is no, I mean, who has the answer to how you, how you deal with that? But it's like, it's such a, well, but that is, that is sort of the thing that there isn't, there isn't one answer. And I think that the key to it is finding out for yourself mm-hmm. what the answer is, because you have to kind of accept that you're in this place or I have to accept that I'm in a place of fear and then thinking about what is it that I've experienced that put this on me mm-hmm. and then re- recognizing that. Some of those things, you know, especially if they're childhood stuff, it's over. Right. It's over. I don't Absolutely. have to carry it. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I'm an adult. That sucks. I do not have to project these things onto every person that, right. that walks towards right. me. Because then, then you're just always suspicious of everyone. And then right. you actually, in that place, you can't actually tell who you should and shouldn't be suspicious of. If everyone right. is equally right. culpable, Absolutely. then when people are actually dangerous, it's hard to tell. Absolutely. Because everyone's dangerous somehow. Right. So and it's also, like, <clears throat> like for me, just assuming that people are going to like me and accept me when I meet them, like until they prove me, until proven otherwise, is also helpful instead of the opposite. Instead yes. of going, you're gonna, you're gonna judge me, you're gonna think I'm different or, or whatever. Just going like, I, everyone likes me when I walk into a room, and I'm, you know, and, and they, I'm give you no reason not to. And then if we have a thing, it'll be that thing that I have with you specifically, as opposed but to humanity. Not, just the, not exactly, not it's just mm. just like walking out the front door and going, who am I going to take down now? You know, um, yeah, that's interesting too because I, I think that's a sit to. It is a thing because when I was younger and it was as simple as I didn't want to get beat up. Right. I wanted to have the control over what people were laughing at. Sure. And I knew that if I was funny, then I'm liked. Yep. Then there's always going to be somebody, once someone's about to punch me, be like, hey, hey, you can't actually punch Baron. We like him. Right. That's what I, that was my yeah. my thing in my head is like, if I'm funny to someone, sure. if someone likes me, that's one of these kids that they respect. Yep. Then, then when they go to like, oh, oh I can't, so-and-so who's higher ranked. Than I am on right, the right, on exactly. the bully hierarchy exactly. likes you, so I guess I can't do anything because right. they'll beat me up. Right. Yeah, I wouldn't go to parties or I'd ditch out of parties for for years because I would 
Because that fear, I brought that fear. Because most of my, you were a lot also of my... handcuffed to it. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's, I mean, that's, that's traumatizing. Pretty, that's Matt. like that, that makes sense. Like why you would be like, you know, <laughs> I get, I get anxious, and that's Dwyer circumstances. <laughs> hey, <laughs> yeah, I, but I, I still like get anxious in group group settings. Yeah, 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 makes sense. Yeah. And and it's like why and we all, it's why we all do what we do, <laughs> exactly. Isn't it makes total sense. It's like you know, people who are too well adjusted and and liked and and included forever. I'm like, good for you. You're probably not gonna be funny. Um, <laughs> you'll be funny to everyone in the room. Like you'll be that yeah. person, but you're probably not gonna do that with your life. Um, and uh, I'm sure you'll be very happy and everything's fine. But yeah. uh, you know, you'll be fine. You'll be fine for a living. Um, which is which is one way to live. But it's uh, you know I. I'm, also, I embrace that and I'm thankful that I'm not fine. You know what I mean? I, I embrace the like the insecurities and the bullshit and all the, the baggage that I have. I'm like, oh, that's what makes me like you do what I do. Yeah. I, I wouldn't have any of this. I wouldn't have, you know, any teeth. Otherwise, I would just be this kind of whoop, 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 kind of, you know, whatever, um, you know, a medium person. <laughs> Let's not be medium people. I can't imagine medium people don't stew at their cubicle or whatever and be like, fuck, I should have done anything else like oh. it's not like they're most i think most people are born with dreams and desires i i right? i i do too i also think though that most people just i don't know i feel so arrogant when i talk about it because i feel so like well the, the, the you know the drones but like you know um <laughs> you know it's 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 just interesting though how how, how people see things it's just like they they kind of know they're going to have a job they hate. They're going to be married to somebody that they're okay with. It's fine. Yeah. You know, and we're going to have these kind of, we're just going to trudge through. And I do think, I mean, I don't know. Yes, I think that, yeah. I mean, I think people are, are born with hopes and dreams, but I, I don't know that. Uh, but the power to fit in. Yeah. There yeah. are things there's to things, be in place. There are things that are powerful. bigger than that for people. You know, they, yeah. they, they just look at it as hopes and dreams. That's the other thing, too. They don't see it as a reality ever. They don't ever see it as like, oh, that could actually do that. They're like, well, yeah, I really want to do this. But, you know, I would yeah, never I guess do I'm that. in a. I'm in a, a bit of a bubble in that world because I, I knew what I wanted to do as a kid. And I yeah, started taking classes at Second City in high school and I was immediately in a diverse and like encouraging and mm -hmm. like everybody was a fucking weirdo. Right. And it was like I would go leave the suburbs to go hang out at Second City and it was like I had to travel 40, 50 miles to find like comfort. Yeah. <laughs> now that it brings up what I was going to say, which is that. I would assume all of us had tricky-ish relationships with our family, and then I think that that sometimes with the impulse for creative people is to go find the new family. Yes, is to go find the yes. group of people. Oh yeah, you know, as some Native, Native Americans might call it, the uh, the totem family. Totem. Mm. Where did you go? Me? Yeah. Well, I went to a performing arts high school. Mm -hmm. In Vegas, and that became my solace. And then I went to theater school in Boston. So it was like, and then I started doing stand up when I was in Boston. So it was like I got to go to school and be around people that knew me and didn't judge me. Right. And then I go home and be afraid, <laughs> you know, and be <laughs> yeah. be like with the people sure. that I didn't feel understood me. And then I'd go to school and be understood. So I had to go to school to be understood. And for a lot of people, it's the opposite, you know. And I think that a lot of these people who a lot of people do grow up in good families and whatever, mm -hmm. and they have the support, and that's why the dreams aren't important necessarily to them, because their family is so supportive of them that they feel unafraid. Yeah. They know they can fall on their face, but they're going to be picked up. 
they're going to be taken right. care of and nurtured. Whereas I think a lot of people grow up not knowing that, right. feeling like, oh, this is the group of people that are blood related to me do not support me. So I got to go find those people that do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I always had a very loving and supporting family. Big picture, you know. Um, and I was uh, always encouraged um, but never felt like understood. I never felt really seen, you know, mm. so that the, for me, the difference was you all love me and support me. You're like, they always saw that I was smart and they're like, you can do whatever you want. And then when I told them like, oh, I'm going to, you know, be an actor, you know, a comedian, like that was so weird to them. They're like, what that, you know? And so I was like, oh, you haven't paid it. You know, they're all very loud and they're all very funny. I'm the quiet one in my family. So the fact that I would do comedy for a living is like to this day, I think kind of baffling to some people, especially my more extended family that may not know me as well, or they've, they've, they've come to know me like through my work as an adult. But as a kid growing up, my humor was weird. It was quiet. It was different. And I never felt like I had an audience there. And so that was always for me. It was always like I had a community theater that I went and and, mm. and I was the only kid. I mean, there were a couple of people that teenagers that did community theater, but like I was directing at the community theater when I was in high school and I was directing like, you know, 40 year old plumbers oh, and nice teachers. And I was like so bossy. And because it was like, I have I have so much power here and I loved it. And I, and I was like, I'm like, I'm good at this. And and um so, yeah, that was the same thing. And it was like for me, like, you know, moving out here and like finding the groundlings and going, oh, these are actually like minded people. And even, you know, theater department in college and before that and all that, you know. So, yeah, you do find your second family. And then I also, you know, it's a lot of it with with um, with with my gay friends. I mean, I have a gay family that is like unbelievable. Like we have found each other from different, you know, and talk about that and how. We get together once a year in, in Palm Springs. We just got back and we oh, you know, nice. stay at a house in Palm Springs and we are just like watch pajamas and drink wine and watch movies all day. Going on a family vacation. It. It's a family vacation. <laughs> and it's the easiest, like there's no, it's, you know, and it's that sense of like, oh, we, it's just, it's, we were like, well, you guys must have so much fun. I'm like, I guess we, we, it is so much fun, but we don't really do anything. We don't, you know, we're relaxed around each other. And yep. there's that thing where you're like, we get each other on a, on a level that, you know, um, and I, you know, I think a lot of it, I'm, I don't have any regrets about any, anything anywhere now. I mean, I, I'm very, I'm very happy about that. I don't, I don't hate my family about for, for like, uh, Matt. Uh, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, but I mean, like, I don't turn around and, you know, uh, for me, like, I don't have, that but I definitely I think from an early age I was like okay I love these people these people love me but there's there's a there's something you know um, isolating I'm I and I and a lot of it I did to myself you know mm-hmm. I can say I was the one that I you know my they you know my brother was way more actively involved in a lot of part of the family than I was I was sort of you know not into because yeah and yeah. so you know we we a lot of it we do it ourselves a lot of it's protection like inherently like I have to take care of this thing that I that I am or 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 that people don't quite quite get quite get or whatever but it, it is it's like you know I'm very I'm very happy that I saw that at an early age I feel lucky that I saw that at an early age because a lot of people don't a lot of people don't have that but I think you're right if you do fit in if you are so supported and you, like, you join the family business or you know you take the first job offer after out of college or you're just you know, you go along, it's easier, you know, and it's, and if, it, and if it's easy for you, I totally understand why things, 
you know, and then people have these, the crises, midlife, you know, whatever. Right. And then when they go, wait a minute, I thought I was going to get all these things. And it's like, you know, that you haven't really been paying attention along the way. Yeah. What's going on and with you? You haven't even asked yourself who you are, you know, but a lot of people don't have to. You don't, I mean, a lot of people never have to examine their lives. And it's all we do all the time. Yes. To an annoying degree. Yes. Um, yeah. I drive my wife fucking crazy. <laughs> we all do. Because I externalize it too. Yes. Sure. Well, you know, it's it's time. Our relationship to time is is complex because it's linear, and we're always thinking about time as something we're running out of, instead of something that we still have. So it's yeah. like things are cyclical. But we think if I don't get it by this time, then when I get to this place, I'm not going to have the thing. But you can kind of always achieve what you want to achieve if you really want to. It doesn't matter. You know, because again, this is this is my my. It's almost like a response to Hollywood in a way, because you know they they value certain way of being, mm-hmm. a certain style of looking, a certain style of sounding, and people get picked because they fit the mold. And when you're outside of the mold and you feel like you're being forgotten about, you're falling through the cracks. Mm-hmm. That's how I kind of like the stuff that I'm making for myself now. I it's it's mostly because I realized that. I was complaining constantly about how I wasn't seeing myself or anything like me, and then I realized, well, I got to make it. Absolutely, I got to make Same the cracks. Hair. Same here. That's sidewalk. how I've done everything. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I feel yeah. like I, I've the only successes I've had, with the exception of maybe writing for Jonah's show, is like is shit that I had to do myself because yeah. it's like yeah, I've, I would look around the comedy scene and like somebody would come around comedy death ray or something, and then like they'd do one show and it was like they got anointed. <laughs> Exactly. And it's like, and I always right. was like, hey, like, hey I'm here too. River. Yeah, yeah. We mean, yeah. And the three of us have been out doing this for a long time. And we like, that's a badge of honor at a certain point. We're like, good look, we're still, you know, still doing kicking. this. But you're right. You have to make your own stuff and say, you know, that's why I, you know, every bit of, for me, like everything that I've, that I've, that people would even maybe know me for is from stuff that I've created on my, on my own. And, um, and I, I remember gritting my teeth the whole way going, do I really have to do this again? And then you're like, <laughs> and then you're again and still, and then you're like, oh my God, but this is the best stuff. Cause it's so, yeah. that's what a career it's is. So unique. And that's how you, that's how you make you. You're you a know? creator. Right. That's and what that's it, what we're about. We're not a, we are not lumps of clay that Hollywood's going to go. I'm going to shape you into this and make you this. That's just not, we, we are not, you know, and you know. I'm not a business guy. I don't know. Like, there's certain people who are creative and know the business. But I've realized, like, I hate the fucking business. I yeah, love creating. Right. And it's like, I was, you know, writing screenplays and just going through that cycle of like, oh, maybe this is almost going to, oh, no. And then yep. almost having a nervous breakdown. And I was like, you know what? I don't really want that. I just want to be creative and do things and have the time. to. And it's like, I don't really give a fuck about success anymore. It seems. Yeah. And anybody I've known, and we've all been around people who get famous. Most people I know who've ended up famous are miserable. Yeah. It's yeah. never enough. Or, you know, I will say to your point that one who are happy I think also a, a certain part of them doesn't give a fuck about success either in yeah, a way in a very yeah, healthy beautiful way because when you give up that need to care about success you actually are more successful in a way because it's not so important to you and it's not you're holding on to the, yeah. the mundanity the bullshit of it all you're like oh I'm doing me and that's I know it's not so cheesy like but that's successful but like the people that I know who are you know 
whatever fill in the blank word you want to say of like they are they they're winning they're doing it that are happy are the ones that are like meh fuck it let's play like I they're not they don't have this attachment and the ones that are miserable I think are have sort of still held on yeah, to this like yeah. real like you know and and nothing's big enough for them nothing's good enough for them and they're like they're not famous enough or rich enough or or you know big I, enough I, and it's and like, I bet you that ha- that's that's related to how much of a community they do or don't have. Yeah, because when you yeah. have the the also community and the family so that yes. knows you, not your fame, then you always feel good. Yeah, but when you, I know, and for me, it's like some of my friends have became super successful, like. Because when it happens, it always seems like if it happens younger, it's always worse. It is worse. Because then you're 25 and you don't know the difference between um, someone who's giving you constructive criticism and a hater. Oh, yeah. So when you hit it, you cut out all the people that you think doubt you and then there's no one there to kind of check you. Right. And, and help you along. And then people who always seem to be famous and happy to me seem to always get it later. Yeah. I auditioned yeah, for sure. SNL when I was 24, and I wow. always think, it was like, if I would have gotten SNL, I would be... You'd be a wreck. I would be like, <laughs> be I would be like a Corey Feldman type. Like, yeah. I would be a joke. Because yeah. I, I know I would have, like, said something wrong on TV. <laughs> like, yeah, I would have, yeah, yeah. or I would have, like, sure. crashed my car into a store. Mm-hmm. Sure, <laughs> huh. same here. I had the exact same, you know, I was, I, I think, 20, for 28 cocaine. when I auditioned. And I was way too young when I auditioned for that show. And I, was, I have the exact same thought of, like, if I had gotten that, it would have changed my life. One, of course, obviously. But, but... Not in a great way, I don't think. No. So, um, yeah. And then I spent a lot of time around those offices because I lived in New York and some of my friends wrote and worked on it. And I was like, once you're in that environment, I, I was like, I wouldn't, I didn't want it. Like once right. I got, you yeah. get up close to it. it. It's also, ugly. what I said now, I'm like, now I feel like I could do it. I could do the job. I'm way too old for it now. But it's like uh, that's the that's the that's well because the, you wouldn't take it too it. seriously, right? It's you wouldn't a job. be like, it's ah. a gig. Yeah. You know, friends of mine that do, have done well on that show have been like, it's a job, and I'm gonna work, and it's it's nightmarish hours. It's really hard. It's super competitive, but fuck it, it's a job. As opposed to this is my life. This is everything I have, yeah. which is what your twenties are all about so um anyway yeah well, we are um out of, time? out of time um i hope I we had some revelations we, uh, none i don't think we <laughs> i don't think we solved anything so um sorry you guys no this was awesome we thank got you way, so much we got so deep yeah We're deep like, deep i mean i mean i don't know that we've ever gone to i mean this much into uh just like our souls as artists, or <laughs> yeah, you know, our good. reflection, or our families, and the world that's going on. I love it uh, um, so much. So, um, thank you guys so much for being on here. I want to thank my guests, Baron Vaughn and Matt Dwyer. Thank you. And um, this has been another episode of Minor Revelations. Love you. Love you. Love you. Love you.